Welcome to episode 10 of 21st Century Boys. This is Joe Crawford. And James Crawford. And we are going to talk about some of the books that we are reading. Mm -hmm. And we'll get started with that in just a moment. Uh, Jack, how has your life been for the last couple of weeks? I haven't talked to you on the show in a while. Pretty good. That's I've good. I've been doing quite a bit of reading. Nice. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading. I don't know if I've been doing always reading that we cover on the show, but I will try to let you know what I have been reading. Mm -hmm. So um, I will kick it off. And the first thing I read, and this is a while back now, I actually think I was going to cover it on last episode, but I didn't get around to it. And that is Baruto, the Naruto Next Generation, Volume 12. And uh, this is the Ninja Adventures uh, with... Naruto's son, Baruto, in case you aren't familiar with Naruto, he was a young shinobi with a knack for mischief. He achieved his dream to become the greatest ninja in the village, and now he's, his face sits atop the Hokage Monument. But that's not his story. This is the story of a new ninja, his son, ba Baruto. <laughs> As Naruto recovers... From his, well, this is this volume. So as Naruto recovers from his wounds after being rescued by Baruto and the Team 7, nefarious things are happening. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even. So anyway, this is the, the deal of it is the, the old mangaka for Naruto is coming back, correct? Yes. So I wanted to jump into Baruto I hadn't read anything since like volume one, so I'm like, I'm just gonna jump in and see how it's going. Um, I did pretty good. I didn't know 100% of what was going on, but like I said, Kishimoto is supposed to be coming in like I think really soon because Samurai Eight, which I really enjoyed, got canceled, and so it's coming up soonish. But I jumped in. I like the story. It had nice big chunky chapters. I think Jack, you were saying it's biweekly. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of Shonen Jump, you know, is once a week. This is a bi-weekly one. So um, I'm ready to see where this goes. It's, uh, of course, available on the Shonen Jump app, or you could buy the volume from Viz, which was $9.99. One series I recently finished was Biomega. This is one of the series I most recommended from Tsutomu Mihei, which I read a lot of recently. I will say, I don't know if I recommend it as much anymore. Because it was, like, really good and, like, not confusing as, like, mo compared to most of the series. But then they just kind of randomly went to space. <laughs> and then it got really confusing. This is like the bear one? The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel like if the series was longer, I could have, like, understood it more. And But it, it, it didn't feel, like, rushed, but, like, a lot happened. This might be one I need to reread. Okay. Uh, I still recommend it. It's only six volumes, so... It's got a freaking bear. It got I mean, a bear. The bear's awesome. The bear's... You can't beat the bear. Next one is a big one for me. Uh, this was one I had seen someone talking about on Twitter and decided to check it out from the library. The bulk of these for me this month are library checkouts, and I'll explain that in a, in a little further on in. But that was From Hell by Eddie Campbell and Alan Moore. So the two of them presented this book and you know a lot of people have said it's one of the greatest graphic novels of all time but here's what it's about from the squalid alleys of the east end to the houses of parliament from church knaves to dens of the occult all of london feels the uniquely unique that's a hard word to say right this second uniquely 
I don't know if I got it right yet. Irresistible blend of fascination, revulsion, and panic that the Ripper offers. The city teeters on the brink of the 20th century, and only the slightest prodding is necessary to plunge it into a modern age of terror. So this is like excellent and horrific all at once. So it's just really dense and it, it's going to take you a good chunk of time to read. But if you've read any Alan Moore, like I know Jack, you've read Watchmen, don't expect a fast read. Uh, Moore in this proposes who he thought Jack the Ripper was and how he went about it. And he spends a lot of time in the appendix explaining how he came to these conclusions and how the math worked to come up to that conclusion. Um, some this uh, it's got some really graphic art both um, in the way of how it presents uh, the actual murders in fact there's a there's at least one issue I can't remember which one it was but it's not for the squeamish so I would say if you're squeamish or you're young and if you're super young I don't know why you're listening to this podcast anyway but who knows hi Henry um, that said I totally recommend this this is one I want to put on my purchase list eventually it is $35 currently from Top Shelf, and it's an evergreen, so it's pretty much always in print. I re- recently, I mean, not too recently. Yeah, we're, we're kind of digging back ago. a little we're bit on these, back. but I got you. But I recently had watched the movie I Killed Giants, right. and I saw that there was a comic that this was based off of, so I decided to read it and see how it compares, because I felt like the movie was good, but the comic probably did something that made it like a bit better. Okay. So I just... I found that the characters felt a little bit more realistic in the comic. I don't know what it was about it. It just felt a little bit better. I felt when watching the movie that the shift of behavior in the main character was too sudden and it kind of progresses easily. Like, in the movie, she's a bit more of a jerk at the beginning. Yeah. I feel. I feel, I think the book does a better time developing the character smoothly. Uh, yeah, I already talked about that. I didn't notice how big the friendship with her older sister was in the mo- in the story in the movie, but is it talked about a lot more in the book? Right. I will say that I felt the movie had maybe a little bit better pacing because it was a bit slower. Sure. But this may just be because I am a faster reader. I would probably recommend the comic more than the movie, but because I feel like it handles things better. But that might just be me. I had read this a while back, and the one thing I want to throw in my two cents, and hopefully not spoil it too much in case you haven't read or seen it, because I'm, I'm with Jack. I'd, I definitely think you should read the 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 one image put out, but the movie's pretty good too, and I think it kind of got slept on. I don't feel like anybody talked yeah. about it really at all. Um, but the big spoiler... Uh, I think it gets telegraphed in the movie. Like I'm like, okay, how can you not see what she's so scared of the entire time? I think when you're reading in the comic, when you finally find out what's going on, it's like, oh, now I get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I figured it out pretty quick in the film. But maybe it's because I remembered the book. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a good story. We're checking out. Uh, I think Joe Casey did that one. I don't remember who did the art, but it's got some very cool artwork. And it's slightly oversized. It's a little bit yeah, bigger. It's a little than, bit bigger. Yeah, a little bit bigger than a regular comic. So, check it out. Zom One Hundred Volume Three and Four by Haru Aso and Kotaro Takata. And so, I don't know if you guys remember this one, but this is the one about the zombie ata- apocalypse beating any old dead end job. 
So, after spending years slaving away for a soul-crushing company, Akira's life has lost its luster. But when a zombie apocalypse ravages his town, it gives him the push he needs to live for himself. Now Akira is on a mission to complete all 100 items on his bucket list before he, well, <laughs> kicks the bucket. Yeah, so I like to read the mm -hmm. little, you know, blurbs. Yep. Because they're funny sometimes. Um, that one's a little cheesy. Anyway, one by one, Akira has been checking little items like cleaning his room and snagging a new TV off his bucket list. But now he's ready to get out of Tokyo, so he's decided to go to his parents' house in Gunma. But to get there, he has to get past his former boss. So um, he deals with that situation. Then he gets back on the road to his parents' home in Gunma. The journey's full of zombies and side trips, some sushi, hot springs, tree houses, a new companion. I want to say she was German, if I remember it right. And it keeps rolling, but uh, he's got to figure out how to find his parents and take care of them if they're still alive. Uh, really enjoyed Volume 3. Akira thinks he's free and clear and on his way to his parents when he runs into his boss and it has a real Walking Dead vibe. They've kind of set up a community where everybody's working for this boss uh, once he gets past that situation and um, on with the journey. His uh, family's out in the country and it shows that the country's dealing with the zombie apocalypse but in a totally different way. This series is still really fun. It is not one on the app, unfortunately, but it is from Viz, $12.99. I recently continued reading just the full-size volumes of Mashable because I read it as it was coming out, like, weekly. Uh, I'll, I won't i will be talking about as much as the quality, but more about, like, the differences I see. Uh, there were these little, like, tiny mini-stories in between each of the chapters which I found pretty funny okay. and I would say I don't remember it going from like just more of a comedy to more of just a normal shonen so fast because I was at volume 3 and it felt like it was shifting more to that already Right. I do say though that it continues getting better and I do recommend it that's the cool thing I think about Japanese comics uh, specifically uh, a lot of times when they're weekly um, and, and probably true when they're um, you know bi-weekly as well but because they have the whole poll, mm -hmm. the feedback is very quick on a, a title. Yeah. And <clears throat> so they can, like, you know, be a few chapters in and be like, okay, this isn't working, that isn't working. Because they're putting out, like, you know, 20, what, I would say 70 to 20 pages a week yeah. of a generic title. And um, that way they can, like, be on the fly. So, yeah, it's like a gag manga. And then they start amping up the adventure side of because they're like, oh, this isn't getting canceled. This is popular. How do I keep it going? And so yeah. ultimately they have to, you know, find a way to do that. So that's pretty cool. Um, well, I'll skip down one to mine because this ties in with kind of like Mashal because Mashal's kind of a Harry Potter kind of vibe. The one I read was uh, Jillian Tamaki's Super Mutant Magic Academy. And it's a prep school for mutants and witches. But uh, pretty much their paranormal activities uh, are going to take a back seat to, you know, just everyday teen concerns. So science experiments go awry, bake sales are upstage, and the new kid at school is a cat who will determine the course of human destiny. In one strip, lizard-headed Trixie frets about her non-existent modeling career. In another, the immortal everlasting boy tries to escape this mortal, mortal, immortal, mortal coil to no avail. Throughout it all, closeted Marsha obsesses about her unrequited crush, the cat-eared Wendy. Whether the magic is mundane or miraculous, Tamaki's jokes are precise and devastating. 
So I really, really like this one. Uh, it's fun art. Most of the strips are one page, but there's a nice continuing arc of characters throughout the volume, like the example they give in that uh, blurb is the closeted character Marsha, and there's her roommate who she has a crush on that, even though it's not page to page, there's still a story. So, and uh, you see what comes of that in the end. This is one from Drawn and Quarterly. It's $22.95. I found it really cheap on Amazon. It's another one that I picked up uh, from uh, the library, but it's one I'm interested in purchasing at some point. Uh, they had it for on Amazon for under 15 bucks. So uh, check it out from the library. Definitely worth a read. Pick it up on the cheap. Definitely worth a buy. Uh, I recently continued Dead Dead Demons. D-D-D-D. Destruction. <laughs> Probably the, now the series that I'd recommend to the most people. Even though Scott Pilgrim is my favorite. I feel like Dead Dead Demons. D-D-D-D. Destruction is like one of the best series I have ever read. I don't have much to say because I don't want to spoil the plot. I want you to start in like without any thoughts in your mind of like what's going to happen. But the art continues to get better. It gets so good. The writing is excellent, never too boring, and never too complex. I definitely do recommend it. If we've read like Goodnight Poon Poon, even better. It is very good. Okay, cool. Uh, next one is the finishing off a series, uh, Die, Volume 4, and the volume's called Bleed, and that's by Stephanie Hans and Karen Gillen. We've had dragons. The award-winning bleak destruction couldn't end without turning its unblinking eye upon a dungeon. There's no escape. There's only down. And this is issues 16 to 20 of the series Die. So the setup of the series is that many years ago, a group of friends came together to play an RPG that they had designed. Much like in an isekai anime, they find themselves transported to another world where the game is real and has consequences. The players make it back to the real world only to find they left someone behind and time has passed. So they decide they're going to have to go back. And that's pretty much where the series starts. But this is the final volume. Uh, it's got a nice Lovecraft section in this that I've really enjoyed. Uh, I don't have any RPG experience per se, but I do know Call of Cthulhu. And I'll just say that this is a really nice wrap up to the series. If, you know, RPGs interest you, if, fan if <clears throat> fantasies interest you, it's one worth checking out. It's $16.99 from Image, and there are four total volumes of it. Another series I recently finished is Happiness. This is the one made by the guy who made Flowers of Evil okay. in Blood on the Tracks. Ugh. This series is very messed up. That being said, the art is great and the writing is very good. It's some top-tier stuff. When something finally goes right and what feels like never-ending despair and death, it just feels very accomplishing. Like, it feels very good to read. I really enjoyed how they explained, like, the vampires and what was going on near the end. And they show this one guy who's actually, like, from the beginning, is actually, like, some other guy. And it's crazy. I won't go into depth. But it feels so incredible to see characters back in action and find out what's really going on after so much, like, crazy stuff. I do understand that in previous reviews, I may have made this manga seem pretty irredeemable or not worth your time. But if you can handle it, I do recommend it. Just read the first volume, and if you can handle the ending, continue reading. It's very good. Okay. 
I, I think that's fair. Sometimes, like, if something's going to trigger you, it's better to know early on a series before you're too invested. So yeah. get through volume one and you're good? Yep. Okay. Uh, next one up, Death Ray by Daniel Klaus. I have been on a little bit of a kick with indie reading. Um, it started by reading... Okay, so last time we did the show, I read a book, All the Marvels. I did uh, another book by the same author uh, called Reading Comics. And he spent a lot of time talking about, you know, these are the comics he likes. And he did a lot of independent books. So I've been kind of a kick doing fantagraphics and uh, drawn in quarterly from the library. So a lot of what we're going to do from here on out is going to be stuff from fantagraphics or from drawn in quarterly. There might be some exceptions. But anyway, so Daniel Klaus, this one's called The Death Ray. Teen outcast Andy is an orphan nobody with only one friend, the obnoxious but loyal Louie. They roam school halls and city streets, invisible to everyone but bullies and tormentors, until the glorious day when Andy takes his first puff of a cigarette, and that is not condoning cigarettes, they're bad. You're not going to get superpowers, this is a comic. That night he wakes, heart pounding, soaked in sweat, and finds himself suddenly overcome with the peculiar notion that he can do anything. Indeed he can, as he learns the extent of his new powers, he discovers a terrible and seductive gadget, a hideous compliment to his seething rage that forever changes everything. And that, of course, is the death ray. So it takes the classic staples of the superhero genre. There's an origin, there's a costume, there's a ray gun, there's a sidekick, there's a fight scene, and it mixes them up all into this great story. And, you know, with great power came great responsibilities. And Andy has to learn the hard way why his dad kept him from smoking all these years. Because, you know, this is the one instance in life where cigarettes give you superpowers. This is a super fast read. It's only like 48 pages. I think it was initially an issue of a comic that they've turned into a graphic novel because those issues are pretty much impossible to find. So the price of it's steep, I think, for a solo 48-page book. It was 19.95, but I read this one from the library. So in the wonderful world out there, if you can find it cheap, I would say definitely pick it up. If you can find it in a, you know, a bin where it's not too expensive, you can find the actual issue, I would say grab it. But this one's from Fantagraphics. I would recommend reading, but don't pay 20 bucks for it. One manga I recently started reading is Mob Psycho 100. This is published by Dark Horse and is about a middle school student named Mob who gets these supernatural powers. He already has them at the beginning of the story. And he's just trying to live a normal life. But when his emotion level goes to 100 or gets like really upset or whatever, uh, his dangerous powers just go out of control. I really do enjoy the series. It is made by one who made like One Punch Man and stuff. This art, the art is, like, better than, like, the original One Punch Man, but a bit more sloppy than, like, the art you'll see now. Well, yeah, that's a different artist. I think that's the guy who does, like... Oh, it's a different artist? Yeah, One Punch Man's done by the guy who did Ice Shield. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, one did the uh, webcomic of One Punch Man. Uh, He continues to write it, but he doesn't do the drawing anymore. Okay. Yeah. It is good, but I will say it feels a little bit sloppier compared to the anime. And this is probably one of the only times I'll say, just skip the manga and read. I mean, just skip the manga and watch, watch the, the anime. anime. The okay. anime adapts everything, and it feels a lot more polished, a lot more clean, and a lot better. Okay. Cool. Uh, you ready to do one that we did together? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so the first one of those, I think we've got three today. No, four. 
Uh, the, and that's another one of the Drawn and Quarterly books. It's The Swamp by Yoshiharu Suge. And I have no idea if I butchered that or not. But uh, he is one of the most influential and acclaimed practitioners of literary comics in Japan. This book, The Swamp, collects work from his early years and it shows a major talent coming into his own, bucking the tradition of mystery and adventure stories. His fiction focuses on the lives of more everyday citizens of Japan. These mesmerizing comics, like those of his contemporary Yoshihiro Tatsumi, reveal a gritty, at times desperate, post-war Japan while displaying Suge's unique sense of humor and point of view. So, for example, one story, Chirpy, is a very simple domestic drama about expectations, fidelity, and escape. A a couple purchase a beautiful white bird with a red beak. It said the bird will grow attached to its owners and never fly away. While the girlfriend is off working, flirting with men for money, working as a hostess, the boyfriend decides to draw a portrait of the new family member and disaster strikes. So he's basically painting a picture of the bird and not yeah. good things happen. A uh, lot of beautiful, often bittersweet short stories. I really enjoyed this one. The art is simpler than probably what a lot of modern manga artists mm-hmm. or readers are used to, but it's gorgeous and there's just a lot of different stories. This is one I enjoyed and I would revisit again because it is a bunch of just short yeah, stories. And what do you think of it? I thought it was very good. I really enjoyed the art. Something I found that was interesting is that some of the characters' designs looked more like Muppets and like American cartoons compared to just the average manga characters, differentiating them from the rest and showing that the character is important or worth paying attention to. Right. Uh, a lot of the stories end up with characters like upset because of something being not accomplished what they originally planned, and for such like upbeat stories, for a lot of them, they the endings are a little bit strange because they're like the exact opposite and something right. goes like wrong. But I do very much recommend it. It's just a bunch of very good stories. Yep. And I'd like to revisit that author sometime if we can find something else yeah. by him. Uh, so that one's twenty four ninety five, and that one's from Drawn and Quarterly. Uh, another one I had up was the R. Crumb Handbook. This is a, a, from the Amazon description specifically. I'm going to give you the little blurb. From the mountains of southern France, where he currently lives and works, pop artist R. Crumb makes a grand entrance back to the publishing world with the R. Crumb Handbook. Part biography, part comic book, and part media critique, the latest Crumb book is a feast indeed. In addition to numerous reprints of, of Crumb comic kits like Fritz the Cat and Mr. Natural, the book also features new works by Crumb, including a hilarious dialogue between the art of, artist and his wife. Fans already familiar with Crumb's comic books will rejoice at the glossy reprints of Crumb oil paintings and sculptures, gallery owner narratives about working with the artist, and also record cover reprints that Crumb has drawn over the years. And it also actually includes a CD of his work of the band R. Crumb and the Cheap Suit Serenaders. But more importantly, the handbook helps provide a window into the man himself. So I just really thought this is a great little book that gets you into the mind of R. Crumb. There's a lot of strips and sketches as well as interspersed prose that Crumb writes about himself. So it has got a lot of biographical information as well. If he's an artist that you're interested in learning about and if you're going to become a lifelong comics fan, I think at some point you should invest some time learning about him. You couldn't do better than this handbook. The bummer is this is out of print. Uh, I actually checked this one out through the library. There are several affordable copies used that I came across, but anytime they're affordable, they seem to not have the CD. So 
you know, you could probably get the book, but you might not get to get the uh, music that he performed. Regardless, I would recommend this one. Track it down. One I recently read, like more recently, is Cheese Sweet Home. Cheese Sweet Home is just this little like Garfield type manga about this cat just like living their life and just like hanging out. The art is very cute and it's all like in full color. Like it's not just black and white. It reads left to right and it's very good. It seems like it was meant for like just like a kid, a child audience, but it does appeal to like anyone no matter their age. It's a very simple read, but a very recommended read, especially because you can get the first two volumes at five below for five dollars each. Nice. Yeah, that's where we picked one up, and um, yeah. I really, I meant to get that one read, and I did not get around to doing it, so I apologize. I'll, I'll have my thoughts on it next time. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that was when they sell, like, the omnibus forms of it yeah, now. Yeah, for 20 bucks, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably, I think, while they're they're trying to get the old volumes out of there cheap, and so yeah, if you can pick it up on the cheap, for you or someone who's interested in manga or comics, it'd be a good one to pick up this holiday season at Five Below. Mm-hmm. All right, Jimmy Corrigan, Smartest Kid on Earth by Chris Ware. This first book from Chicago author Chris Ware is a pleasantly decorated view of a lonely and emotionally impaired everyman, Jimmy Corrigan, who is provided at age 36 the opportunity to meet his father for the first time. An improvisatory improvisatory romance which gingerly deports itself between 1890s Chicago and 18 and 1980s small town Michigan readers helped along by thousands of colorful illustrations and diagrams which when read rapidly in sequence provide a convincing illusion of life and movement oh my gosh okay I gotta stop this blurb sounds like somebody who's never read a comic or a manga before um, so I apologize for that. Yeah, that's how comics are read. You read them rapidly from one to the next so that you can get an idea that, um, you know, you're reading a, a real piece of work, but whatever. This is a concrete portrait of a man stunned by paralyzing fear of being disliked. Anyway, so this has like gorgeous illustration and a story that's both funny and depressing all at once. We flash back and forth between Jimmy's story of meeting his estranged father as a grown-up in the story of Jimmy's grandfather as a child in the 1800s. Neither or one of them have had the easiest life, but the story manages to be a great commentary, basically, on the importance of family. Sometimes it's hard to read, and I mean that literally, because the layout is challenging, and the panel sizes are very small, and if you're an old fart like me who's starting to have some vision problems, they're very small panels. But anyway, it's uh, it's it's... It's time worth taking and well spent if you read this one. Uh, this is a book I can see many people wanting to revisit. Uh, it's in hardcover and paperback. Right now the paperback is about 22 bucks from Pantheon. Definitely recommended whether as a purchase or just a library checkout. Another comic I recently read was the Star Wars Adventures Annual 2021. This is just a st- short little story from Star Wars Adventures about Han Solo and Chewbacca getting a bunny and then she tries to get the job of the hut and then it turns into a bunch of bunnies and they start going everywhere. Is it the jujibs? What do they call them? The jujibs or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the jujibs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like the art. It kind of looks more like just something you'd expect from like Disney. Yeah. It's from their stuff. It's kind of cartoony. Mm-hmm, very cartoony. Yeah. I do enjoy it. I'm not sure if it's worth like eight bucks. Like how much... 
Was it eight bucks? It might have been eight dollar cover, but we ordered it from either DCBS or my comic shop, so you didn't pay that much. Yeah, it's cute. I'm not sure if I'd pay eight bucks for it again, <laughs> right. but it is a nice little thing. Yeah, if, and if you like Star Wars adventures, I would recommend it. So, like, you probably paid, I would guess, around between four and five dollars. Yeah, it? that's a bit of a better deal. Okay, yeah. good mm-hmm. to know. Uh, the next one, this is one that I feel like was a favorite on the Professor Frenzy show. I know it's why I ended up putting it on my to-read list. Uh, once again from the library, The Autumnal. This is by Daniel Krauss and Chris Sheehan. Not our best friend Chris Sheehan, but a different one. Uh, this is issues one through eight, and I believe this is the complete series. So you can check out this volume or buy this volume from Vault Comics. And this is the entire series. Welcome to Comfort Notch, home of America's prettiest autumn you'll never want to leave. Following the death of her estranged mother, Kat Somerville and her daughter Sybil flee a difficult life in Chicago for the quaint and possibly pernicious town of Comfort Notch, New Hampshire. So, what's going on with this? So, basically something ain't right in Comfort Notch, that's for sure. Kat and Sybil arrive to take care of their mother's old home after she's passed away and to deal with the funeral. But people are really weird about leaves. So, like, she makes a pile of leaves and the neighbor's kids come over and she's like, jump in the pile of leaves, that's what kids do. And the kids are like, we're not supposed to jump in leaves. And she's like, go ahead, it's fun. And they jump in the leaves. And the mom comes over and she's like, that's disrespectful. And she punches her, like, in the mouth for letting the kids (laughs) jump in the leaves. So, that was weird. And also when they show, like, her mom being, uh, at the funeral home, it's a closed casket. And they're like, okay, usually closed caskets are when there's something where you can't visibly uh, show the person whether there's some damage to the body or whatever. But like, so they show you what's under the casket by doing like, you know, like a, okay, if you could see through the casket, this is what you'd see. So like mom's has got like leaves coming out of her mouth and stuff. So something's up with the leaves, people. Anyway, this is a real creepy book. That I'm sure some are not going to like the shock ending of it. It could be a trigger for them. And I don't want to go too far with that. Maybe look into it if you're considering it. But it does stay with you regardless. I actually really enjoyed this one. And I would say it's worth a shot. Uh, Like I say, 20 bucks from Vault Comics. Or check it out from your local library. Another comic both me and Dad read recently is Toys in the Basement. By Stephanie Blanquet. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. I think it's Stefan Blanquet. Okay, I said Yeah, that wrong. it's French. Yeah. That's a tough uh, one. Toys in the Blanquet follows, follows these children going downstairs to find that their toys they played with want revenge for being played with too harshly. The art is good, but kind of weird. It looks like a demented version of something you find off like Nickelodeon or Disney. Oh, totally. It lo- it looks like a Nickelodeon comic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was the one? Eek Real Monsters? Or- yes. What was the name of that show? Yeah, Eek Real Monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. It's 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 weird. Yeah. Very 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's only like 30 pages, so it's a very quick read. Yep. The art is kind of scary for some people. It may be. But like the story itself is just kind of fun. Yeah. But weird. Yeah, this is a really weird book. Um, so, yeah, they're at a Halloween party, and one of them's in a pink bunny outfit, and he's really mad because he wanted to be a pirate. And he, like, stumbles into a basement of, like, pissed-off toys. <laughs> and there's, like, this really freaky one giant monster toy that's made up of busted pieces named Amelie. 
and um, it's I don't it's just like demented Toy Story. Uh, it was classified as a kids book, um, both at the library and on the website. I don't know if I don't know what kind of kid. Uh, it's gonna be reading this. I think this would give like a six-year-old like nightmares, maybe. Yeah. Cause it's pretty like there's one point. So these are like abused and battered toys. There's like a superhero doll with its arm ripped off. Mm-hmm. Um, the one doll has had her head half shaved. Uh, so of course when the little girl's down there, she's like, "I'm gonna shave your head now." And the superhero's like, "I'm gonna step steal your arm." And there's a headless one. He's like, I'm going to rip out your eyeball and it'll be my head. So I'm like, I don't know if this is a kid's book or not. That's it. 32 pages. I really liked it. This, yeah. this is like a French style album where it's one and done. 32 pages. Uh, hardcover. I don't know how much it uh, cost originally. It looked like a pretty cheap pickup uh, when I was searching around on Amazon and uh, some other spots. It's from Fantagraphics. If you run across this one, especially cheap, I would pay, I'd give you 10 bucks for this one and to read it again and have it, you know, sit on my shelf looking pretty because it's a weird little book. And I definitely want to check out this artist again because he's kind of demented and I liked it. Um, so do you have any more other than the Yong Sikongs? No, I do not. Okay, so we're going to end with a couple of manhwa. Uh, that is, in case you're not familiar with the term uh, in I don't know if I pronounced it, you know, perfectly or anyway. But this is basically Korean comics. Um, unlike manga, they are uh, read from left to right, like English comics. So these might be if, if if you've had a challenge trying to read manga because you know you're you're more used to the the way that we read in the U.S. when we're reading American comics might be one to dip into first to try out some Asian comics. Uh, That said, these are both really good. Uh, I actually read these in a different order than we're going to describe them, but from what I understood, the one is the first work, Mm -hmm. so we'll talk about it first. And the first one was Uncomfortably Happily by Yong Sikong, and this is the story of him moving with his wife to a small house atop a rural mountain and he's trying to get out of Seoul and live in the uh, country. And he's got cats and he moves there and they decide they want to get a dog. So they get a dog and eventually they get chickens too because they're trying to live the simple life and grow yeah. their own food, be self-sustaining. Um, and basically it goes through kind of like chapters or the seasons. Yeah. So you start when they move there and then they go through this really brutal winter and... Um, that's kind of how the book moves along. It's like season by season. That said, I love this book. This story of a couple staying alone in the mountain in the middle of nowhere, poor and cold, because that's another thing. This is also about like not having money. What can you afford to do? It's a triumphant story. Um, so he has to deal with a lot of things. Hikers leaving trash. An editor, because he's a cartoonist, an editor forever asking for revisions. And there's just an unending amount of work that has to be done when you're trying to, you know, uh, till soil and pull out rocks and take care of your family and earn money and go to school. But throughout it all, Hong manages to persevere. And it's just a really great and beautiful story about a couple wanting to make it on their own. And for me, it's highly highest recommendation. Uh, it's uh, 30 bucks from Drawn and Quarterly. I recommend this one in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, I think it's very good. The art and stuff is a little bit not as good as, like, Almost Table because that came later on, and it seems like he was a little bit better at storytelling. But I still think it is very good. It took a little bit more time to get used to it. Sure. But I don't think it's as fast to read as a typical manga either. Yeah. It's a little denser. But I did really enjoy it, and I do recommend it. Okay, cool, cool. Well, our last one tonight is going to be Uma's Table. And once again, it's Yong Sikong. This is also another drawn and quarterly book. Uh, and I can go ahead and tell you, we're going to recommend it. So I'll get that out of the way. It's uh, once again, 30 bucks, drawn and quarterly. Uh, library reads for us. It's one if I run across, I would happily buy it. Uh, Madong is an artist and new father who moves to a quiet home in the countryside with his wife and young baby. Excited to build a new life full of hope and joy, complete with a garden and even snow. But soon reality sets in and his attention is divided between his growing happy family and his impoverished parents back in Seoul in a dingy basement apartment. With an ailing mother in and out of the hospital and an alcoholic father, he struggles to overcome the exhaustion and frustration of trying to do everything at once. Being a good son, a devoted father, and a loving husband. <clears throat> so, I just thought this was a really wonderful reminiscence on a mother and how food helped heal a family that was really being hurt by the father who was constantly drinking. And it's not really clear right at the beginning. And I think they're pretty subtle when they sh finally do say it. But I, I took it as he was abusive as well. Yeah. Especially when he was drinking. Um, so he's doing all he can for his parents. And then it really shows the struggles that, you know, you have with aging parents. And the challenges one faces in dealing with that. And me personally, as someone who's lost his father, and I have a mother who has been struggling of late with her memory, uh, this one really hit, and, and it hit me um, in a good way, but it was also, you know, eye-opening, you know, the kind of things that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis when you have parents who aren't doing well, and you still have a family at home. Yeah. Anyway, so what'd you think, Jack? I thought it was very good, um... Yeah, it starts with, like, them, like, moving to a new house and starting off new. But eventually it more transitions into taking care of their parents before, like, they rest. Right. It it really sit with me, sat with me, like, near the end. It really made me think about, like, oh, your experience in, in as a father and, like, what you got to do. And yeah. Well, I think about, I think about you know, it's, it's tough when you start losing your parents and when they start getting old and you see the people who were everything and... You know, it's rough. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. what a bummer way to end the episode. But it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Uh, we had some really good ones this month. I don't think I had anything that was a clunker that I would say don't read. There's probably a couple that I would say, I don't know if I'd you know, want to pay full price for them. Uh, I have some fun stuff in the pipes that we've still got from the library. Yep. Christmas presents have already started eking in from our wonderful friends. And um, so there's plenty of comics coming down the pike. So happy holidays to everybody. Thanks for listening to us. You can reach me at, at Iowa's Joe on Twitter. You can reach the show at 21st Century Boys on Twitter. And that's 21-S-T-C-E-N-B-O-Y-S. And Jack, where can they hit you up? At N underscore garlic on Twitter.com. And we're going to be back pretty soon with a holiday episode that we're doing with our friends once again who did the X-Babies with us. I'm really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. So until then, thanks for listening. Have a good night. Good night.